All right, guys, welcome to episode five of Fair Game. It is the Monday after the Masters uh, with me, Eric Mayville. Hello. And Mr. Adam Scott reporting to us live, not from Augusta, but from Sweden. Yeah, good day. Just a quick trip <laughs> out of Augusta. I finished early, so I got here quickly. <laughs> you, you, you were happy to get out of that place? Well, not, never really happy to leave, but uh, it certainly wasn't my week on the course. And, you know, when it, when it goes like that, uh, you're kind of ready to pack your bags and forget about it. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the next three weeks to kind of uh, decompress and uh, regather myself and get back out on the PGA Tour soon. Got it. And and so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a few things in this episode. Certainly Hideki's historic win. I, I know you're a big, big fan of Japanese culture in general and, and also the way that the Japanese kind of have embraced golf. Uh, you're a Uniqlo uh, ambassador, so I know you spent a lot of time there actually playing golf as well. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been going to Japan for 20 years and uh, thrilled for Hideki, first of all. Uh, I've it's hard to get to know Hideki well, but I've certainly played a lot of golf with him. I've played on President's Cup teams with him as a partner, been on the last five teams or so with him, and um, you know have have spent some time around him. And he he's an incredibly hard worker. You know he's got that um, obsessive nature, and he just keeps working and working and working. And no no surprise, it's paid off uh, big time this week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm- it, it, it's kind of an amazing story, you know, as, as a casual fan, he's, he's kind of always around and then doing some research, you, you come to find out, you know, he had four top five finishes within two years at, at, at majors. Uh, and, he, you know, he is really consistently in, in the top five in, in majors. And of course, he was a low amateur 10 years ago, exactly at Augusta. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, some of the neat stuff that Augusta National Golf Club does that we see, like with drive, chip, and putt now, uh, the Augusta Women's Amateur Tournament, and then there's the Asia-Pacific Amateur and the Latino America Amateur, uh, which now Hideki qualified for Augusta 10 years ago as an amateur for winning the Asia-Pacific Amateur. And these kind of initiatives by the club are huge because that's given these people on the other side of the world a chance to qualify as an amateur for the Masters and amateur uh, golf is a huge part of the Masters because of Bobby Jones. But he is now the first guy to win <laughs> the kind of amateur event set up by the the Augusta National Club to win the Masters. Uh, I think it's, you know, a pretty cool story. And, you know, no doubt one day there's going to be a drive, chip and putt kid win the Masters. Uh, or the women's amateur there and they're going to be so many great stories to keep going so you know the club is doing a, a wonderful job in um you know really peaking interest and and keeping great storylines going in the game of golf after watching this last drive chip and putt i've got some new swings i want to emulate <laughs> turns out they're just they're 30 years younger than me that's the only problem yeah that, that you just need the 30 year younger body that's, the, exactly. that's what's exactly. needed you know <laughs> And so were you watching the, the, the last few holes uh, of, of the Masters there? You, you saw Xander kind of make a run there and then have a, have a, have a tough go of it. And, I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty close there for, for a while. I mean, it really it was kind of up in the air in, the, in those last few holes. Right. So I kind of had to—I left. Uh, we were on the runway taking off, and Hideki had just flown the green on 15, and that's the last bit of news I got. <laughs> and uh 
I, I couldn't believe it. So I'm going to lean on you guys a little bit to talk me through the next couple of holes. I mean, I know what happened because I, I actually called midair like about an hour and a half later. I'm like, it must be over by now. So I need to know, you know, I, I got to go to sleep or something on this flight and I won't if I don't know what happened. But so I don't know the feelings that everyone was going through. But when Hideki hit it in the water, I just I felt like this is this is a major problem. And it got very interesting, <laughs> obviously. Yep. I got a lot of text the second that thing went in the water. But I think that his resolve, he just stayed so calm looking and, and right. ready to just continue uh, you know, doing what he had to do. And he played very straightforward golf, I feel like, after that. Um, where the adrenaline must have been pumping. I can only imagine, you know, <laughs> seeing that that's the only trophy I've ever gotten from golf and it's from a public track. <laughs> but yeah. I like how you've got that displayed today. I wanted too. to make sure that we could see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Um, um, but that's the thing with Hideki. You know, I, I said after I finished my round and I got a couple questions, of course, all hypotheticals. What if this guy wins? What if, you know, I had to list all the positive attributes all the other players had in case they won. But, uh, you know, Hideki can really put the blinkers on, I feel like. He's out there kind of operating in his own little bubble. You know, the language barrier, he probably knows a lot more English than he lets on, but the language barrier lets him kind of get in his own bubble and no one really gets in there too much. So uh, I, I feel like he kind of plays with the blinkers and it looked like that for most of the final round when I was playing. And and that's a good thing if, I mean, that could have been the panic button right there on 15 if he, if he couldn't keep it together. So, yeah. um, you know, that was to his advantage for sure. And I'm glad, glad he kept it together because at that point I was pulling for him pretty hard. Yeah, and it felt to me like the the narrative as I was sitting, you know, actually sitting on an airplane watching it, um, was was Xander. I mean, he was just striping the ball. I mean, really couldn't couldn't miss for for five or six holes there on on the back, and then one bad swing, and he gets a triple, and then and then there there goes that, and it it really kind of shows you how kind of brutal and unfair golf can be. I mean, I hadn't seen a guy play like that at the Masters all, you know, this entire weekend and then one bad swing and uh, and it's over for him. I mean, he ended up finishing, you know, very high obviously, I think three back, but but that that is not a win for sure and I'm sure that that has to be gutting for him. Yeah, he 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 feels like he probably finished like I did now considering how close he was and that is right. You're right. Golf it's so brutal especially at the major level. But and Xander is such a dangerous guy at you know he's so consistently good, uh, and he's already racked up an incredible career in the last four years since he's been on tour. So he he's he's going to learn a lot from this one, and uh, and wouldn't surprise me if his kind of bounce back is this year, and and he jags a major before the year's out. Um, you know if he can be a little inspired and motivated to get back in that position and not hit that one bad shot, then uh, look out for the rest of the guys out there. But it is it's. It's so tough to get it all right with it all on the line. I mean, you need you need to be solid, but you need a little bit of luck uh, go your way. And I think I think a couple of things I saw Hideki had a little bit of that winner's luck yesterday too. Yeah, and I, I think you know a, a big part of, of this show is not necessarily hearing what what myself and Eric have to say about this because what the hell do we know? But you <laughs> have you know somebody who who's been there and has has done it. I mean, how how are you feeling after what must have been, you know, a frustrating weekend for you? Oh, yeah, I'm incredibly disappointed because a lot goes into getting ready for it. Um, you know, weeks and and a few months of thought and, you know, planning and preparation and trying to play your way into good form. And 
I thought I was right there and and uh, I got off to a slow start Thursday. I can sum my week up really quickly for you. Uh, it was it was a slow start Thursday and I hung in there and and there are always moments where it can turn around and if I look back, I had about a five foot birdie putt on the twelfth Friday to go back to uh, even par or one under par uh, for the day and things were starting to pick up and then you. I missed the part, obviously, and then I didn't birdie the 13th hole and I didn't birdie the 15th hole coming in and I struggle in and made the cut on the number, which doesn't mean you're out of it. You know, a hell of a weekend, which which can happen, uh, can put you back in it. But it was a battle. I went out Saturday. I didn't do anything right at all and uh, made a couple big numbers early and, and, and struggled to get it in the house. And the way my week was going, I hit it over the 15th green in two put my club down behind the ball to chip it and the ball moved and took a penalty, then chipped it in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, golf sucks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, golf's hard, man, and uh, it is a bitch, I tell you. So uh, I, you know, I had nothing going and I was just trying to not embarrass myself by the end of Sunday, to be honest, and I somehow pulled it together and shot a half-decent score on Sunday. But... Pretty pretty much the wind was out of my sails uh, in that Saturday round. And, and you know, that's the way it is. I'll have to take a few weeks off and, and kind of bounce back strong. And after after watching guys like Hideki and actually, you know, watching Will Zalatoris play, I mean, I think he was a huge story and, and something big coming, uh, a, a big career. You know, he's, he's uh, burst onto the scene last year and I think... Uh, really legitimized himself this weekend. I mean, there's no joke at all. Not no flukes last year. Just he he can really play and get it done at the big moment. So those kind of things are inspiring for me. Looking at these young kids who who play. He he played like you just want to play. You know, super free and just gung ho, going for it. Nothing nothing to lose at all. And uh, it's a ni- nice thing for me to see that. And Will did this at the ripe age of 24, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I know. He, you know, he's got a, he's got it all in front of him now. You know, it's it's easy to say he's going to do great in this. And golf is a long career, and you're going to have your ups and downs. Um, and you know, he needs to ride this wave for as long as he can of this good play and confidence. And he's been doing it for about a year or so now. So he's doing a nice job of that. And then when he when he has his first little dip in form because when you're when you're finishing second at the masters at 24 you've really never played any bad golf (laughs) you know like (laughs) your bad golf is so good relative so you know when when that dip in form comes it'll be interesting but he he needs to ride this wave and uh you know the other one i think of over this weekend that's fun for the golf world is jordan spieth kind of winning going in which we talked about on an earlier pod and then he's up there contending again he yep. was just so close and and he knew it and you know he lets everyone know about it he commentates his own round out there and uh <laughs> you know he he's he's back in it you know he's feeling it and exactly what will's doing i think jordan does really well he rides that wave of confidence and he's been doing it this year so it's good it's good to see that fun to have him back playing well and uh yeah i'd like to put myself back in that conversation the next time i play do you think riding the wave is uh, important? Like, obviously different for a lot of golfers, but like, if you're playing really well, do you keep playing competitive or do you take some time off? Like, and and 
try to tweak things even more. I think when you will keep playing, you're young. Yeah. I, I I really yeah. do. I think it it you know he's hasn't played too much golf yet. He's not going to burn out. He he should just play when he feels like playing, and that could be every week. And I wouldn't question that. That could be you know play a couple, have a couple off, you know, enjoy being young and successful mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour, nearly winning the Masters. You know, just just keep doing whatever you're doing, and uh, you know I think. For myself, it's a good time to uh, kind of decompress a little bit and come back fresh. You know, us old folk, you know, we get a bit stale. <laughs> <laughs> and so will you, so we have the, the PGA Championship coming up in, in the end of, of May. Will you play in a tournament before then or will you really only focus on, on the majors this year? No, I think I got to play again before that. I mean, the PGA, I think, is five weeks away before PGA week, so... That's a pretty that's a pretty long break and going to Kia, which you know pretty well, Ben. Now I know you've <laughs> something been like that. There. Yep, uh, yep. I I think you want to have some idea where the ball's going around there. Otherwise, you're going to have a long week at Kia. Um, I hear it's eighty two hundred yards or something crazy like that. Um, but I think I got to tune up a little bit. So I'm looking at coming back to play Quail Hollow, which is two weeks before the PGA. Then uh, see see where I stand after that as to whether I need to play again, yeah. But look, there was a lot of disappointment last week, but the positives for me was I actually drove the ball a bit better, uh, believe it or not, even though my scoring was a bit average. My iron play was a bit weak last week, uh, but I, I drove, or my wedge play actually was pretty weak, which isn't good around there, but I drove the ball better, and that's something that I was focusing on. We talked about that too, and I did drive it better, especially Sunday. I felt really good, and it felt like, oh, I wouldn't mind playing (laughs) another tournament right now to keep this improving, but that's not on the cards for me at the moment, so I'm just going to have to do it at home until I get back to Quail Hollow. I had a question. So there was a, I was watching the um, featured group coverage Sunday, which we were in, and, um, on two, everybody seemed to take a three wood off, and they were it was everybody was baffled why you uh, Phil were taking three woods off of two, and they couldn't figure out what was in your what what you saw. Is there something that was? Yeah, why why we all hit three woods on the third round? Yeah, I think I think it was. Um, let me let me think. It was the wind was in off the left, okay. and this. This means you have to like work the driver toward the left and no one really wants to hit it down in the left right. creek. There's a creek down there if you yep. hit it bad enough and mm-hmm. uh, I think everyone knows they can kind of hit three wood and it will never get down that far even if you did hook yep. it and if you don't hit a perfect shot, it kind of sits short of the bunker through the fairway on the right. And uh, I just love that you guys could all see it and uh, nobody on the announcing crew could. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It was uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> I mean, the fairways look wide when you're standing <laughs> not on yeah. the tee box and hitting yeah. the shots, but they get much more narrow when it's the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And you know, just like we saw, you know, we saw Xander, and I know it wasn't the second hole, but you know, I, I made a triple on 15, Xander made a triple on 16. You know, you're one bad shot from a triple bogey, and at the wrong time, it ruins, uh, at any time, it ruins your week. You know, really, and um, certainly want to try and keep them off the card. And if it means okay, I might not make eagle today at the second hole, but you're still giving yourself a shot at birdie. I mean, 
birdies are a good score at a major championship. You can't be too greedy. So, you know, with, with Kiowa coming up for the, the PGA Championship in, in about five weeks, I mean, how do how do things look for you in terms of, of the tune-up? So you actually ended up playing a different set of irons than we talked about in the last episode, which is kind of a big change for you. Will you stick with well, those irons, or do you kind of curse those irons for, for giving you <laughs> some, 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 some fits this week? No, the irons, the irons weren't too bad. It was more my wedges, actually, which is, which is interesting because they were looking really solid. Um, the irons were good. I, I may tinker with them a little bit. I mean, they were, they were right on point for me. There was some nice offset bent in them, and they were looking good and felt really solid, which is obviously what you're looking for. So, you know, I'd love to blame everything uh, else but me <laughs> for last week, but that's not the case. I, I think things are in a pretty good place um, as far as the all the equipment goes. Uh, I'll, I'll probably, um, you know, just spend a week and get give myself some rest you know it's been a big build-up I've been on the road five weeks I was on the road five weeks before that as well uh, with only a week off really in between so you know I need to give myself a couple weeks and really um, you know get away from it so I do come back fresh that's the important thing you want to get straight back to work and build off where you've got but sometimes you've just got to be able to sit away and and know that in the long run uh you're going to be better off uh because a little bit i i heard jordan talk about it after after his round yesterday you know he's been playing really good but he felt there was a little bit of he maybe he was tired or burnout it's been a long stretch of good golf for him and it takes it out of you so you've really got to get that balance right so i'd i'd love to uh get practicing straight away and but i need to give myself a little time yeah. And I mean, you, you've played now in, in approaching 20 Masters, if not 20. Uh, how did this one kind of stack up in terms of conditions? I mean, it, it looked fast out there. It looked, it looked very, yeah. very fast out there. What, was it as, as tough as you've, you've played it? Thursday was, for sure. I mean, overall, I think the condition was probably the best condition the golf course has ever been in. Uh, the green surrounds, the firmness of the golf course the coverage of the grass it was fantastic and then thursday they pushed it to the limit with the firmness and the speed of the greens i mean it was on edge and you saw that from the scores all except for uh, justin rose who just got out of his mind uh for those last 11 holes which was awesome but uh and th- and then there was a little rain and the course softened and i think actually on sunday it played perfect i think it was the the perfect balance between uh, speed and firmness and, you know, the good shots looked really good and they did all the Augusta things rolling back towards the hole and the bad shots, you know, skipped through and got in a terrible spot where you could hardly chip it close and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think they really had it dialed up just right this year and that was fun to see. I spoke with uh, Jose Maria Lathabal quickly after Sunday's round and he said it really reminded him this week of the 1990s when Augusta was playing much firmer and the ball was running a little bit on the fairways, running a lot more on the greens. Um, and, you know, the last at least 10, maybe 20 years, we've seen less of that because they've been concerned about the length of the golf course and they want it slower so it plays longer. Um, but it seems like this year they moved away from that a little bit. I think that was fun. I think it was fun maybe maybe to watch as well. 
it was great to watch it it was uh i was gonna ask about like just the the atmosphere on scene because watching on tv watching all the shots was it was like you know before all this mess it was just comforting almost <laughs> to really watch it <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was getting back there i mean you know we came from november there was a couple of members walking around basically and uh i i think there must have been about fifteen thousand on the grounds now it's a big property so fifteen thousand for golf um you know it, it norm i think they have like fifty five thousand normally so it wasn't anywhere near capacity but it was nice to get a clap for a good shot absolutely <laughs> and uh that that felt good but it's getting we're, we're getting back there it certainly feels like that on the pj tour we've had fans uh or patrons at augusta and uh the last few weeks now so um it feels like we're getting back there it'll be so nice when when this you know there were still no stands at uh at the masters so when we get back to that point it'll feel really good and the atmosphere will be will be back i think uh that's going to be a lot of fun to play golf in that environment again yeah so it, it, it feels like, you know, as, as you said, kind of the, the norm is, is coming back, but obviously something that something or someone that was missing this week uh, was Tiger, obviously. So, I mean, amongst the, the tour players, was he or is he always kind of a topic of conversation? What, what's kind of the, the word from him recently? Yeah, certainly at the Masters. I mean, he's kind of Masters law uh, with Jack Nicklaus. You know, Jack's won six and Tiger's won five. They're the, the greatest champions there ever um he he wasn't there at the champions dinner obviously which uh means he must you know he obviously he's fairly seriously injured I, when he was recovering from back surgeries a few years ago he still made the effort to come up and be part of that and shows you how much it means to him and he sent a message to uh, the mc of the evening ben crenshaw just to say how much it means to him and that he misses being there misses everyone being a part of uh that masters club and you know wished everyone good luck and you know so uh, i think it really shows how much the masters has meant to tiger uh being his first major win in kind of record fashion all those years ago to winning in 2019 in in incredible circumstances really so um he was, he was certainly a point of discussion that evening i think i think everyone um you know is is just kind of dealing with he's not going to be around this year that's for sure um and we all we're all really bummed about it i mean that's that's the general sentiment it's just golf's better when he's around i think the interesting thing going forward will be uh you know one one day Phil and Tiger, they're they're not going to be around. Uh, we're going to have to. We we've got other lots of other great players. I think there are going to be other great storylines, and there are a couple guys like Rory and Brooks and Jordan who have racked up multiple majors already. Do they take the next step and uh, and go to that kind of eight majors where where you're kind of really in legendary status? Then you're like up there with Gary Players and Arnold Palmer's and Tom Watsons. Um, and we haven't we haven't seen anyone except Tiger really take it there since a couple of generations ago. So there'll be some good stuff to watch. And now Hideki is probably like the new Tiger of Japan, at least. 
he he probably is right i mean they were saying that there's a that they there's a good chance that he could be lighting the olympic torch this year potentially wearing right. the green jacket which would be a that'd be a vibe for sure um yeah i mean he he is certainly uh, a, a national hero over there he was already i mean really he he was already so uh i can only imagine because uh, japanese fans are fanatical you know uh, they really are and un, un, they're more enthusiastic than any place I've ever played golf. So I can only imagine what he's going back to. I I believe he's heading back to Japan. So it could be like ticker tape parade. I look forward to seeing the green jacket all over Japan. It's going to be so good. His his victory tour, but uh. no, it'll be it'll be incredible for him. I'm I'm really I'm really so happy for him. I mean he uh, he's worked worked so hard the last 10 years or so all he does is work 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 (laughs) play golf practice golf um since since i've seen him out there and uh you know i certainly certainly was a super proud feeling for me to take the green jacket back to australia as the first aussie to win the masters and you know i'm sure he's going to get exactly the same kind of reception it's it's like this mythical thing that exists but you never see it so when <laughs> certainly when it goes overseas it's uh, you know it, it japan or australia it's so far from move, removed from augusta georgia that he, here's this green jacket it's it's in, the response whenever i had it was uh, amazing from people I don't know if you guys have seen, but there's there's been a few Instagram posts of, of Hideki allegedly at, at the Atlanta airport, kind of hanging out by himself with the green jacket, just kind of <laughs> thrown over uh, the, the chair on his way back yeah. to Chicago, presumably then then right. to Tokyo. So the, the questions that, that I've seen on Instagram is, how does he have a jacket already? I mean, is this his jacket? Has it already been tailored for him? How does that work exactly? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it, tailored to the point of probably a 42 regular or whatever whatever <laughs> Hideki's size is I you know they've they've left them pretty pretty wide fitting because they've seen most of the past champions kind of get a little a little bigger in size as they get older <laughs> and uh <laughs> otherwise you got to get refit for a new jacket I think a few guys have gone through a couple different sizes over the years <laughs> <laughs> happens to the best of us you know yeah but um no, he it's his jacket and I I would think they've even I I know in the pocket inside it's got your name uh stitched in there. And I I would think it's already stitched in. They've they've had a little bit of time. They they're pretty prompt on these things. They're organized at Augusta yeah. National. Yeah. Yeah, they ha- they have one job, right? Like give out the green jacket. That's um. right. So so that's that's clearly his for the next 12 months and uh I know I didn't it didn't leave leave my side for 12 months. Yeah. What what was really neat about this photo is you you see Hideki kind of hunched over in a hoodie and a flat brim cap, not dissimilar <laughs> to to Eric's there, and he's got a supreme bag right next oh, yeah. to the the green jacket. And I was like, this is golf. This is like this is exactly what golf is, even though people like nobody really talks about it. Um, yeah. And this is exactly what what golf should be. I mean, Hideki's a young guy. He's in his late twenties. He loves yep. Supreme. Apparently, never would have guessed that based on seeing him on TV. Um, but it was kind of amazing to see the Supreme backpack or bag right next to the green jacket, just hanging out in the Atlanta airport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's fantastic. I mean, but you know, I think. Hideki is really a real guy, you know, and it's it's hard for us all to get to know him. He doesn't doesn't speak a lot of English. Um 
and we just see him play professional golf but but he is he i think he was playing video games in the rain delay on saturday <laughs> for an hour you know he is just a real guy and it's it's those kind of things that get me excited you know like there we got to bridge this gap of what golf is seen as and what golf really is like you just said because because it is a real thing with real people even the superstars uh you know whether it's street culture whether it's what whatever whatever it is you know there, there's an image out there of professional golfers on on television and i don't know that it marries exactly with uh who they are as real people and i think the tour tries to do a good job of that and tell those stories but uh seeing that is real is a, is a really cool thing a green jacket and a supreme bag <laughs> it's great it's great it's just not not what I would have expected because again, I mean, you know, even even with 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 yourself and other kind of you know professional athletes that I that I know or have met, they they are so and you are all so, I wouldn't say media trained, but I mean so kind of um, polished and in a great way. I mean in a professional way, but also you kind of lose some of the authenticity of of what makes people people. And in 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 my other podcast and on Hodinkee Radio, we just did an episode with with Tom Brady that'll come out next week. And and Brady is like people talk about me every day, but they talk about me as the football player. Like meanwhile, I'm just sitting at home on my couch watching talking watches videos and like just hanging out and like with my kids like that's who I really am and that's what really matters. But nobody on ESPN or any of that cares about that at all. They just care about me the the Super Bowl champion. And I think sports in general don't necessarily do a good job of kind of like extrapolating the personalities from from the the performances and you know, it's difficult certainly. But I mean, what do you think golf or sports in general could do to make that a little bit more open or or kind of progressive i should say well in in some ways it has to be authentic i mean you know we've got to, we've got to make an effort there's been a there's been a great buzz about the game of golf off the back of this coronavirus which uh m- maybe was unexpected i don't think the golf industry was planning on it so i i think there needs to you know they should try and capitalize on this a little bit from the from the point of making sure these people who went out to a driving range or went out to a golf course come back again uh, and and just keep enjoying the game of golf. And, I, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see, like, the foundation set for people just to be able to keep enjoying the game really easily, even if things do go back to normal. Because, uh, you know, the, the old excuse, I don't have time, I don't have this, I don't want to wear... A- tie in a blazer in a clubhouse you know they're, they're too easy we got to take those easy excuses away and and make sure people get back out there yeah so I, I think you know something that that you you are known for you know i think it was last year maybe the year before i think it was 2019 you wore pleated pants at at the masters you're you're a, a mm-hmm. you know a fashionable guy if i may say <laughs> and there's a lot of guys that are, are now wearing you know air jordans on on tour uh, hoodies yeah. were a big thing, you know, not so long ago. Can you wear a hoodie right. on a golf course? Nike <laughs> makes a great hoodie, golf hoodie that I actually wear all the time. Um, you know, what do you think of all these guys trying to change the, the, the look of golf through, through fashion? I see the, the Malvin hat, uh, over here. Um, yeah. you know, there's, uh, I think Macklemore does bogey boys there. There's a few other kind right. of brands out there that are making it a little bit more kind of streetwear. Do you think this is interesting do you think it's good for the game of golf do you think we're going to see people wearing that stuff on tour soon i'd say yes i think so i think um you know it's something i've been conscious of my whole career actually early on i was introduced to fashion i guess through golf but 
you know, moving out of Australia, limited uh, knowledge of fashion, I guess, 20, 30 years ago, and uh, moving to Europe, very fashion conscious, especially London, where I stayed a lot. And, uh, you know, for, for seven or eight years, I wore Burberry. Now, Burberry was nothing really to do with golf, but they did a golf line for these years. And I was interested because it kind of crossed, you know, two different things. Now, it is a very high-end label, but it kind of took fashion more into golf. And this is at a time when we were coming out of the 90s, which was just big white polo shirts, triple XL, and baggy chino pants. I mean, it was... It was a bad era, the 90s, for golf fashion, probably. Uh, and, you know, there were a few other guys. Jesper Parnovic certainly pushed the envelope with some pretty outrageous outfits. Ian Poulter also I put in that category. But, uh, but you know, you need those characters. And, and I was always trying to think of how I can bridge that gap and not, not be wearing uh, golf clothes, uh, let's say, and, and it be more of that kind of street feel where it it's not your golf clothes uh it's not another thing that you have to buy for the game of golf it's just kind of you can wear it wear it anywhere and i've ended up with uniqlo which is basically their philosophy of life where they feel like you know all all their uh garments have multiple uses and they don't pigeonhole it into a polo shirt or a golf shirt or uh, you know, the trousers that I've developed with them. You know, some people travel in them. Some people wear them in the office. I wear them to play golf. Uh, you can do it all in them. So I think that's good. And I think with the young guys coming out now, I think um, these new brands like you've mentioned are going to be really appealing to them. You know, of course, wearing Jordans on, you know, it's an iconic brand and guys uh like sneakers and uh, want to wear Jordans on the golf course. And I think when guys see a cool hoodie from somewhere else, they'll want to wear that and they're going to they're gonna make it happen if they want to do it. Uh, and they're going to be able to express their own kind of style in that way rather than just your traditional slacks and polo shirt. Yeah, it, it, it almost feels like really, you know, us kind of the, the, the average guys are relying on you guys to make this stuff happen. Because if, if Eric or I showed up in a hoodie at any number of these prestigious courses, they would say, you know, Mr. Mayville, please get your ass out of here right now. <laughs> but if Adam Scott or Rory or anybody showed up at these places wearing a hoodie, they, they would probably embrace it. I mean, do do you guys in, in some ways, you know, kind of view yourselves as as the leading edge of of progress in, in the game of golf when it comes to these, you know, hyper-exclusive country clubs. I mean, Augusta aside, that's, you know, so elite. It's, it's like not even, you know, mm-hmm. kind of worth discussing in this context. But, you know, a, let's just say your average prestigious private golf course in, in any major city around the world. Um, do, do you... Do, do these clubs kind of look to you or do you have any influence over them when you're there to say like, hey, you know, maybe hoodies are okay. Or instead of, you know, wearing traditional foot joys, you might be wearing, you know, Air Maxes or Air Jordans or, right. or something like that. Yeah, I think um, there's no doubt the PGA Tour and its players are a huge influence on the game of golf. And I think I think uh, we, sh- we should be more aware of that. I mean, we should use that a little bit to push things in the right direction and uh, it doesn't mean take away all the things the game has done so well over the years I mean I think the foundations and roots of the game itself are really solid and and valuable for people to have in their life 
what clothes you wear is, you know, needs to be relaxed. The whole world has gone certainly more casual. And there's a place for a club where you have to wear a coat and tie in the clubhouse at five. And and that's not going to be for everyone. There's a place for that. But there's also a place where you can play in denim. and, And that may not be for everyone either. That may not be what they want. But I think you've got to have some kind of nice middle ground where the hoodie's fine. You know, we've seen all the guys wearing hoodies or uh, Jordans on the course or more like sneaker golf shoes. There are Air Max out there. Um, and I feel like, well, you know, this is this is what the best players in the world are doing. I think they're not looking... Um, not presentable (laughs) doing it certainly the pga tour wouldn't allow it if it wasn't presentable it's just a changing changing thing and as long as as long as uh you know clubs like to have rules because that's just what clubs are but i think i i think there's got to be just a little relaxed nature about some of this golf stuff going forward i think it'd do the whole game a world of good if that if we all just loosened up a little bit and who cares about having 8,000-yard courses and who cares? You know, I think golf's all good and all we bang on about is everything that's wrong about it. So I think we should just relax a little bit. <laughs> it would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, and, and I think, you know, I so I, I belong to a small country club in upstate New York called Wakabuck and I, I invited some friends over that were in the area to, to play golf and they had never played before. And, uh, and I said, hey, come on by just so you know you can't wear jeans. And they, they thought I was kidding. Like truly thought I was kidding. And so they showed up in jeans and I was like, no, no, no. You're like, you really can't wear jeans. And this gentleman is a a designer for for Instagram and, you know, drives like he's just a cool like downtown New York, like, you know, kind of design guy. And he's just like and, you know, you know, certainly well traveled and and come, you know, been around the world a, a dozen times. And he's just like, what what do you mean I can't wear jeans? Why? Why can't I wear jeans? Uh, And I was like, well, it's. How do you, I mean, I, I didn't even know how to respond to that because, you know, it, it, it is nothing more than tradition. And to be clear, I'm not saying that my country club or any country club should abolish the anti-denim rule tomorrow. But it really is something that, you know, golf is so insular at times and so kind of just strange to people that don't kind of come from from this world. And, and again, I mean, this is one of my better friends. And just he just couldn't fathom that that I was not joking about the whole no no jeans thing at my country club. Yeah, it's nuts. And I, I I see a lot of guys on tour wearing like jeans cut trousers, you know, you see them fishing for the marker or tees, you know, going in like jean style now. And now they're not blue jeans, uh, traditional denim pants, but at least the jeans cut is out there. Um, you know, and look, jeans isn't Jeans have come a long way too. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm in Sweden right now and I'm, I've played a ton of golf over here and, and Almost everywhere you could play in denim here. There, there basically is no dress code to play golf in Sweden, which is one of the things I like about what they've got going on over here. Uh, they have some other things that make it harder to play, but pretty much they're just happy for you to get out and play and enjoy it, which is a nice nice feeling. And I think, you know, for your friend who's never really been there before, he's now started off with a bit of a feeling of this is so weird I thought golf was weird probably anyway, and now this is yeah. really weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it, and, and it is weird. <laughs> yeah, let's, get, let's, let's try and get away from that. And, and you know, there, there's a place where, okay, they got rules, you can't wear denim, but there are other places, surely, that we should be able to just get out there and play. Yeah, no, I agree. 
And a question I've been actually meaning to ask you, who do you think is the most stylish guy on tour besides yourself, obviously? <laughs> um, that is a good question. Um, like who just looks cool out there playing? Well, I mean, look, when you think of cool on the golf course, it's Fred Couples. And, you know, he's just got that relaxed look. I mean, he plays in no socks. He doesn't wear socks, I don't think. <laughs> you can check his ankles out next time he plays to see if I'm right. But, you know, he just... But you can imagine him. He just pulls up in his car. He goes to the trunk and puts his golf shoes on without socks. He just slides out of flip-flops into a pair of golf shoes with no socks and goes and plays. You know, that's kind of Fred. Um, you know, there are... Who who is really fashionable out there? I don't know. I think I think a lot of guys um, have their own sense of style out there. I I don't know that it all appeals to me, but you know, Poulter has certainly pushed the envelope over the oh, years. Yeah. Um, you know, and he he's very fashionable. It doesn't mean it's always tasteful, but it's <laughs> Ian, Ian Poulter uh, and. And I, and I like that. I like the guys expressing themselves out there a little bit. Um, a lot of the guys uh, I see, there's like Eric Van Ruen, you know, they're still trying to do the joggers thing. I don't know if that sure. still should be going on. That was a couple, <laughs> yeah, years, a couple years ago. We might need to move on from that now. But some of the guys not that are wearing non-sports brands, I think are looking good out there. You know, the sports the sporty athletic thing i don't know if it's because i'm hit 40 <laughs> and it's harder <laughs> for me to fit that category but uh you know i i like i like the guys you know kind of i like a bit of contrast anyway between you know a bit of technical stuff a bit of you know uh, cotton a bit of technical stuff i like some contrast in the clothing and well at least i get that for myself in what i wear yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, actually, I want to give a, a quick shout out to a friend of mine named Todd Snyder, who's a designer, fashion designer, um, who actually released a collaboration with Footjoy earlier mm. this week, which you actually, yeah. I, I think, were, are aware of. I ordered some of it. And it, it's this idea of what, you know, kind of players would be wearing in, in the 60s if they were around today. So kind of like vests and, you know, kind of some really cool takes on, on Footjoy um, kind of classic shoes. Uh, yeah. And it's it's really neat to see guys like this, which, you know, again, the, the Malvins of the world and some of these other companies are really like they're, they're like streetwear focused, in, in, if, if I may say. And, and Todd Snyder is a little bit more... Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word elegant, but I mean, it's a little bit more kind of traditional kind of up, up the middle, uh, like Ralph Lauren style of, of closing. So it's, it's, yeah. it's neat to see Footjoy, a really traditional company work with a brand like that. Well, yeah, I saw a bit of the collection and, uh, actually I have a pair of the golf shoes, the Footjoy golf shoes, which I can wear, uh, which I hope to wear the next time I play. I, I didn't get them just in time for this week, but he did a really nice job with that. And I, I think that's a neat thing that Fujo's done, this co kind of collaboration, you know, to get him outside that little pigeonhole of the golf world and and Melbourne or whoever it is with that streetwear. You know, I think it's really hard if you're just a golf clothing company. You're pretty limited. So, um, you know, I, I hope those guys, you know, if we kind of can, can cross that, bridge that gap of, of between clothing and and taking away golf clothing you know you don't have to put your golf clothes on to go to play a game of golf you know hopefully there's you know they can be used for more than just playing golf yeah just put on your clothes instead yeah exactly exactly 
so, so with that, Adam, we actually have an announcement that we'd like to make, and I'm going to pass it over to you for this one uh, about the future of, of Fair Game and, and the podcast. Yeah, so uh, we've done five, and uh, I've certainly enjoyed chatting with you guys. I mean, I would probably anyway chat with you guys. Now we're just sharing it, but uh, it's been fun. <laughs> and we're going to keep this thing rolling. That's what we're, yeah. I think we Let, should let, do, right? Let's fucking do it. Let's, let's keep this thing rolling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, no, super exciting news. So, you know, for, for all you listeners out there, I think we're probably going to take a week or two off to kind of let, let Adam recover from, from the Masters, let myself recover from, from whatever it is I do all day. And, uh, and then we'll be back, uh, you know, with a weekly podcast uh, about golf and kind of all, all that goes into it. So we just want to thank you guys, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks so thank much. You. I've really enjoyed this, guys, too. And uh, I'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks. Awesome. All right. We'll see you. And that wraps up Episode 5 of Fair Game. On behalf of Eric, Adam, and myself, we want to thank you for coming along on this journey with us. If you'd like to hear more from Fair Game, be sure to sign up at fairgamegolf.com, follow us on Instagram at at fairgamegolf, and be sure to leave this show a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts.